Let's give uh, our praise team a hand. Amen. Amen. It's, it's good to be reminded this morning that uh, God is holy and that he's worthy to be praised and adored. Uh, thank you for that reminder that we serve an awesome God and he's faithful even when we are faithless. So we thank God for that, that reminder this morning. We thank God for this fourth Sunday of Advent. It's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord just one more time. And that's nothing that we've done that we deserve the right to be sitting where we're sitting today. And, and that in itself is, is enough to give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. 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 And so we uh, just thank God for our online audience and thank God that you're worshiping with us uh, this, this afternoon. Uh, I would like to call your attention today to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Uh, Pastor George has been leading us through this series entitled Fear Not. And it's such an appropriate series, given that all that we are going through as a nation and as a world uh, in light of COVID-19, uh, that there are a lot of fears, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of tension in the air. And how do we as Christians respond to this fear? Uh, today we're going to be talking about the fear of the unknown. And so let's uh, stand and uh, read Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20 together. Luke chapter 2 uh, verses 8 through 20. Let us read together. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you, and you will find the child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel of a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this that has taken place which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God lasts forever. The fear of the unknown. Now, when I begin to study this passage and read it and meditate on it, I bombarded this passage with a lot of questions 
Some I was able to answer, some I wasn't. And some I just have to live with the tension of, of not knowing until we get to heaven. Have you ever read a passage of scripture and you just, you just wondered why and what and when and where? And many times as Christians, we, we have to live with that tension. But scripture tells us that we know in part, we prophesy in part, so no one knows at all. But I, one of the main questions that I began to ask myself uh, is what helps us to overcome the fear of the unknown? What, what helps us to overcome the fear of the unknown? Uh, this word fear of the unknown is uh, a word that we call xenophobia. Uh, it, in modern uses, the word was, has evolved to mean a fear of strangers or foreigners. But its original meaning is much more broader than that. It includes anything or anyone that's unfamiliar or unknown. And no doubt we live in this tension of that which is unfamiliar and unknown. Uh, we live uh, with that tension in light of COVID-19. We live with that tension in light of, of Omicron. We, but how do we as Christians respond to this fear of the unknown? Because there should be something distinctively different in how we respond as opposed to those who don't know the Lord, uh, who don't have a relationship with the Lord, responds. And I believe nestled within the pericope of this scripture, there, there are some lessons that we can glean from this passage. Now, I have, to, I have to warn you because, you know, really, this is three sermons that I'm putting into one. <laughs> Amen, somebody. <laughs> and uh, if, if I preached really the whole sermon, it would take about an hour, 45 minutes, give it, give or take, about an hour and 45 minutes. But if I get some amens, uh, I can cut this into 30 minutes. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So let me keep my promise here. Now, there, there are three points that I, you know, as a good Presbyterian preacher, I, only, I have three points I want to share with you. So I'm a, I, I want you to hold me accountable. There are three, three points I want to share with you. The first thing is God makes known his grace. He makes known his grace. His grace is something that we would not be aware of if he had not made it known to us, uh, to us as, as, as Christians, that God's grace is sufficient. Secondly, he makes known his glory in this text. And as he makes known in this text, he makes it known to us. And secondly, he makes known his good news. That is for us. He makes and all. I know it's very, very simple outline, but it's profound in the sense that when we really believe it, it changes us. It, it transforms us. When we really live in light of these three realities, uh, it has a way of changing our persona, our personality, and who we are in Christ. Let's look at this passage. First of all, God makes known his grace. 
His grace. Look at what it says here in, in verse, verses 8 through 10. It says, in that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. This word terrified mean, literally means they feared with a great fear. It can't, it, can't get any, it can't get any worse than that. You feared with a great fear. Literally, the, the translation uh, says that, that they feared with a great fear, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, don't fear, fear not, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. Can you imagine this? the shepherds uh, out in the field, minding their own business, and God shows up, the angel of the Lord shows up in an unexpected place at an unexpected time. I can imagine when the shepherds got up that morning, they just thought it was going to be an average day. Uh, nothing, you know, just watching over the sheep and just hanging out with one another. But all of a sudden, God shows up on the job. Amen, somebody. God shows up unexpectedly in the night shift of this group of shepherds who are tending and living in the fields. What I want us to understand here is that these, these shepherds, shepherds get a bad rap, especially when we think about it in, in this particular context because they were classified with the tax collectors. Uh, they could not keep the ceremonial law, which restricted them. Uh, they could not, you know, because they were touching the touching of dead things, uh, they traveled around the, with loose habits and no fixed residence. And they, they were about other people's property. Most of what they were doing, it did not belong to them. And they were considered untrustworthy. Shepherds were forbidden to testify in court. And despite all of this, God shows up to make something known to them that was unknown. Now, this, this text also tells us about this, this angel, this angel of the Lord, this one angel. Now, when we think about angels, we, we've seen angels show up with uh, Elizabeth and gives her a, a, a promise that God is getting ready to bless her with a child. We, we see the angel in Mary's life, and God makes a promise that you will bear uh, the Son of God. And now God shows up with the shepherds. He makes his presence known. It seems like God is, is about uh, making those who are outsiders insiders of his grace. And, and that's good news for us because the thing about this text is that God did not show up in the king's palace. He did not show up uh, to those who, who were rich during that day. He did not show up with, with this story. Not saying that rich people didn't get the story, but the first people he showed up with, showed up to was Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and now the shepherds. And all of them 
had a unique way of responding uh, to God. And what I, I love about the angels, you know, we can conclude that the job of angels is to make known on earth what is already known in heaven. That heaven, heaven uh, there's no uh, fear of the unknown in heaven. <laughs> that that there's, there's no fear of shame in heaven. That that which is unknown on earth is fully known in heaven. And so we, we see here that the angels uh, have a, a, a direct assignment. And one of the things I, I love about the angels, we don't know all of their names, but it's clear that Gabe, Gabriel was the MVP of angels. And he shows up everywhere. And Michael shows up. We, those are the only two angels that we, that we fully know of, know their, na their names, but Gabriel is the MVP in this birth narrative. Uh, he shows up. And so here in this text, we don't, know the name of the angel, but he does show up. Every time we see an angel in the context of salvation history, they're doing a mic drop. And humanity has to respond. Every time the angel comes with a promise, after he makes the promise and affirms uh, their role in the reality of salvation history, they drop the mic and they disappear because they don't want to draw any attention to themselves. Their attention, they want to always draw the attention to Jesus Christ. They want to always draw the attention to the Father and to the Son. And so after they, after they fulfill their assignment, they disappear. Uh, there's something to learn about angels. Uh, there's something that we can learn from, from them. You know, God, God wants us to be faithful in our assignments as well. But God makes known his grace. I like the way one of my professors put it, Dr. Darrell Box says, humanity has nothing to fear when God moves in grace. We don't have anything to fear when God moves in grace. In other words, this word grace means favor, God's unmerited favor toward us. When God sheds the light of his favor on you, you don't have anything to fear because God is moving by the cadence of his grace. And you can walk along with him. Dr. John Stott advises us and tells us don't miss God's grace. And he describes grace, grace is God loving, God stooping, God coming to the rescue, God giving himself generously in and through Jesus Christ. So God will do whatever he can. See, there's no one who's beyond the scope of God's grace. Paul was aware of this. Peter was aware of this. Mary was aware of this. The shepherds were, were aware of this. There's no one no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, there's nothing or no one beyond the scope of God's grace. So we see here in this text, God makes known his grace. Not only that, uh, he makes known his glory. Look at verse 9 and 14. Verse 9 and 14 points out, verse 9 says, then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the Glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. This is referring to the Shekinah glory of God. And then verse 
14, the response, the angels say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Now, there's two ways we can define glory. There are two definitions of glory. One is ascribed glory. That's, that's the glory that uh, when we wake up in the morning, we look at our faces in the mirror and we see something that doesn't look right. We comb our hair or we wash our face, or we, we see something that doesn't look right, we put makeup on, we, we ascribe glory and beauty to ourselves. But then there's intrinsic glory. That's the glory that God has. God doesn't have to look in the mirror uh, to make himself look good. He's beautiful all by himself. God, God doesn't have to comb his hair. God doesn't have to wash his face. When God, God doesn't even have to wake up in the morning. He, he's intrinsically glorious all by himself. And that's what this text is telling us, that God makes his glory known. But also this, this word glory has even deeper meaning to it in the sense that when we think about this word glory, it, it, it comes from, uh, it's reminiscent of, of Old Testament language and it's, it's about God's presence through an angel that overwhelms the, the, the senses and brightness that can overwhelm the eyes. Uh, glory uh, appears in this verse 14, but it, it, he's talking about God's, when God shows up, there's always brightness, there's always light in the highest. And, and so when God shows up, this, this word glory in the Hebrew comes uh, has the word weight with it. It means weight or it means uh, heavy. Uh, when we say, when we use the word, man, that, that's heavy, as hippies would say, man, that's heavy. They, they, they're talking about something that, that's so, so deep. Or when we say that, say that her words carry weight, we're saying that that person's word carries a, a lot of credibility, that when she speaks, her words matter. Uh, we use this word uh, uh, glory and we use this word weight. It, it refers to the God that we serve, that the God we serve is heavy. He, he, when he speaks, his, his words carry a lot of weight. When he speaks, demons tremble. When he speaks, things have to be rearranged. When he speaks life into us, he, he gives us a second wind. He gives us encouragement. And so this word glory carries a lot of weight to it. And so this is what the shepherds realized. This is what Mary realized. This, this is what this is what Elizabeth realized, that when God speaks, uh, he fulfills what he says, that he, he keeps his promises. And so this phrase, glory to God in the highest, is, is that we're saying, Lord, you are glorious. You are worthy of our praises. And I love that, brothers and sisters. It's, it's, it's good news today that we serve a God who is glorious all by himself. Now, here, here's the thing. When we think about this, the shepherds and we think about what, what they are experiencing in this context, what we see happening is they're trying to make sense. Why would God reveal himself to them? Why would God make himself known to them? And God says to them, don't be fearful. Don't be afraid because 
I'm shining my glory on you. Uh, God has made himself known to you and to all peoples. And so the shepherds are indicative of the fact that God has no favorites. He's sharing his glory with Jews and Gentiles. He's sharing his glory with those who are blue-collar workers and white-collar workers. He's sharing his glory. He's shedding his light on all of us and his favor on each and every one of us. Amen? So here's here's the thing. Here's here's what I want us to understand here, that this this fear of the unknown, this, this, uh, this way of how we live as Christians should be countercultural uh, in the context that we are living today. We, we should not be going with the flow. We should be going against the flow because that means that we see things. We see the bigger picture. We see what God is up to because we have the Bible. We have the Word of God. We see what has happened. The fight is already fixed. God has already promised that he's going to make us victorious. All we've got to do is walk it out. We just got to walk it out. Last but not least, God makes known his good news. He makes known his good news. Look, look at what it says here. This, we know the word good, good news. It comes from that Greek word euangelion, which which we get the word gospel from, but God makes his news uh, available to the shepherds. He says to them, he gives them specific details. He says, to you is born this day, in verse 11, the city of David, a Savior who is the Messiah, who is the Lord. He gives Jesus three titles right there, Savior, which means deliverer, a rescuer, Messiah, which is an Old Testament promise, the anointed one, and then the word Lord, which means that God has authority. Now, when you read this and the shepherds are listening to to the angels, and they look into, when they get to Mary and Joseph and they see Jesus as a baby, and, you, and they're saying to themselves, you mean this tiny baby is a savior? You mean this, this tiny baby is the Messiah? You mean that this tiny baby is the Lord? And they accepted what the angel said by faith uh, because what they realized is that this promise was bestowed on them. This this promise was related to to Jesus and only resided in Jesus Christ. And so when we think about that, as as some scholars call this the already not yet motif, that Jesus in 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 the manger, he's already the Lord. In the manger, he's already the Savior. In the manger, he's already the Messiah. He's just got to grow up into it. And we see Luke helping us to understand this throughout the gospel. We see Luke helping us to understand that as Jesus grows, he becomes increasingly aware of who he is. And that's what we see here. And that's a promise for us because Jesus is a Savior, not for himself, but for us. He's the Messiah, not for himself, but for us. He's the Lord, not for himself, but for us. 
Verse 12 says, this will be a sign for you. You will find the child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And this is one of my favorite verses right here. And suddenly for you, he says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he favors. Can you imagine in the middle of the night you're tending sheep and all of a sudden, and then God pulls the curtain of reality, uh, uh, pulls that curtain of reality and all of a sudden, there's a host of angels singing in an angelic choir and giving praises to God. I don't know about you, but I would freak out if I saw all of that. But here, God shows up, and his choir, his choir begins to, to praise. And see, when, when, when this promise comes to a reality, God is, God is already praising. He's already praising what's going on. He's already praising because Jesus has already been born. He just wants to invite the shepherds to the baby shower. He just wants them to know that Jesus has, has already been born and everybody is showing up and praising God. And God says, I'm going to make you, even though you're an outsider, I'm going to make you an insider. And that's, that's good news for us because I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what unknowns you are fa uh, facing today. Maybe you've lost your job and you don't know what tomorrow holds. Maybe you've been given a bad diagnosis and you don't know what, what tomorrow holds in your diagnosis and your sickness. And, but I want you to know God wants you, your fear, to give way to faith. God wants you to put your weight down on what he has said in his word. This is what the shepherds did. They, they put their weight down. They, and, and the way you can tell they put their weight down is because they didn't go back to shepherding right away. <laughs> they went to see Jesus. They, they went to where, where the promise had become a reality. They, they went to church. They went to Jesus because church was happening right there in that manger. And Mary and Joseph were right there and everybody showing up and, and they were praising God because church is where Jesus is. You can't have church without Jesus. You can't worship without Jesus. You, you can't raise your, your hands without Jesus. You need to know that wherever Jesus is, you can have church. Amen, somebody. But here's the thing. God makes known his good news. One writer said that Jesus may be lying in an animal trough, but heaven is present at his birth. The good news is that Jesus comes for all, but not all respond and benefit from his coming. In other words, Jesus, I'm coming for everyone, but you've got to respond. When God makes known his grace, you've got to respond. When God makes known his glory, you, you've got to respond. When God makes known his good news, You've got to respond. When God speaks up, we, we have to respond. Uh, God has sacrificed uh, his son so that we could respond to his grace, so that we could respond to his glory, so that we could respond to his good news. And the story ends in verse, verse 20. It says that the shepherds went back to the field, but they were praising God. 
When they got up that morning, they probably had a heavy heart, but when, when they went back to work after having met Jesus, it says that they were praising God. You know, one writer said that Christianity is a religion of song. Agnosticism has no carols. Confucianism has no anthems of hallelujahs. Christianity, however, is filled with music. Only the message of Christ puts a song in a person's heart. When you have Christ in your heart, something changes inside of you. And a melody starts to form that you can't really control. It is unlike any other belief system. And I'm so glad I'm a Christian because I, I love to sing. And I'm so glad that Christianity is a, is a religion of songs. I got up this morning and I, I started singing and I didn't want to wake my wife up. And I got up and I, I started singing and I just couldn't keep it to myself. And, and I just started saying, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And I, I, I just felt like jumping because God had been so good to me. I, I, I just felt like shouting just right there in my house when I think about the goodness of God and that Christmas is about worship, it's about caroling. And that's what we did in, in Lawson just a few minutes ago. We just started singing about God because he has put a song in our hearts. Can I get a witness in here? You know, I love the way Howard Thurman put it when he talked about what are we to do with this message? How are we as Christians to act when, when the world is going in one direction, when there's a digression in, in our behavior? But how do we as Christians act differently? He put it this way. He says, the sacrament of Christmas, I make an act of faith toward all mankind where doubts would linger and suspicions brood. I make an act of joy toward all sad hearts where laughter pales and tears abound. I make an act of strength toward feeble things where life grows dim and death draws near. I make an act of trust toward all of life where fears preside and distrust keeps watch. I make an act of love toward friend and foe where trust is weak and hate burns bright. I make a deed to God of all my days and look out on life with quiet eyes. He says that, that's the sacrament of Christmas. Christmas re reminds us it's, it's, it's time to be reconciled to God. It reminds us it's time to be reconciled to one another. And it reminds us it's a time to be reconciled to self because some of us, we, we're not in congruence with ourselves. God wants us to be reconciled most importantly to him. This is how we are to act in the fear of the unknown. 
God wants our fear to give way to this profound sense of grace and glory and the good news and the joy that comes with knowing who Jesus is. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the good news. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the glory that you have that only belongs to you, dear God. And we say to you this morning, glory in the highest and goodwill toward men. We say to you this morning, Lord, that your grace is sufficient. We say to you this morning, Lord, thank you for your good news, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you will touch some man, woman, boy, or girl, and let them know that you were born so that they might be born again, and that you died and rose again so that they might have eternal life. And so, Lord God, there may be somebody who's lonely, who's dying from loneliness, dear God, who's in despair. Would you let them know, Father God, that you came for them, that you might give them hope in the midst of despair, that you might give them peace in the midst of chaos. And, Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray.